Welcome to Brick Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 40th episode, Big 4-0, the Paul DeResta episode. Yeah, the pundit from Sky Sports, him. Uh, and if you're wondering why it's the Paul DeResta episode, he didn't, you know, usually drive with the number 40. He actually is the last person to sport the number 40 because he had it on his car during some reserve session. I know, it's super lame, but he technically is, so... Pretty lame for a milestone episode, I guess. But anyway, uh, we're talking launches and we are talking standings today. I know I mentioned last episode, last Monday, when I kicked off 2023, that I'd be doing multiple episodes, uh, including predictions for the season. We're previewing 2023, and I went over driver head to heads and just kind of the progression of teams uh, of how I see it. So you're you're gonna have an idea of uh, the standings already based off of what drivers I chose to beat their teammates and uh, how I think the teams are going to progress. However, I'm going to break down exactly how the standings are going to be so that we can revisit this at the end of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun, but we've also started launch season. Uh, At the beginning of last episode, we talked about the upcoming launches. I knew Haas and Red Bull were pretty soon. I didn't even know that we'd be getting Williams this soon, so we're going to be breaking those three down. So, I guess let's get right into that. Alright, so I figure we we will start reverse chronological. Well, I guess it's it's not going to be chronological, never mind, forget that I said that. But, Williams, we'll start with them. Um, They were actually today. I know some of you probably won't be listening to this until Tuesday, so... You know, they they have it was Monday, okay. <laughs> that that makes it easy for everyone, um, and it was very quick and to the point. Unlike another team that we're gonna get to in a second, um, and the car looked very similar, um, in terms of delivery, I should say, looked very similar, same colors, a little bit different. A lot of people were talking about the the Duracell battery on the on the air. I can't walk in. I think of what it's called. It's uh, a little like air vent at the top, basically above the driver's head. Um, it was a nice touch. I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like these Williams colors. They, they've had some pretty trash liveries recently. I like the direction they're going. Is it one of my favorites? Probably not. Um, but it was nice. And I think coming from Williams, I, I would have maybe assumed that they would do something a little more radical. Unlike Haas and Red Bull, where I kind of expected um, it to be the same as last year, or at least very close. Um, they were actually more similar than Haas, which we will also get to in a second. But uh, the one thing I'll say about Williams, um, because I don't really have much to say, there wasn't a whole lot going on in their launch. They they did speak with Alex and Logan. And just to see Logan in the Williams overalls or just team merch in general was was awesome to see. Speaking on behalf of the team, I'm, I'm so looking forward to see what he can do in his rookie season. I've said that I don't really have a whole lot of faith in Williams this year, but Alex seems to say, you know, we're in a way better position uh, going into this year. He said, we don't know where we're going to stand. He doesn't expect a Haas level uh, jump in performance when they went from 10th in 2021 up to, you know, scoring a P5 in the first race in 2022. Of course, new regulations gave you a way better opportunity to make a huge jump like that, 
when it's the second year of regs, you're probably never going to make a huge jump like that. But we'll see. The The midfield was tight last year, and even though Williams was clearly 10th fastest, they weren't miles off. Like I said, Alex was, was 12th in that range quite often, and he even said himself, you know, just a couple of tenths faster per lap, and, you know, they were, a, they were an okay midfield team last year. And I do agree with that. I just have more faith in the other teams to, to develop their project more so than Williams, so I guess that's kind of where... Um, I lose the conviction with that team. But let's move on to Haas. This one is my favorite launch so far. It wasn't really a launch at all. All they did was post photos on Twitter, which is... All the launches have taken place while I'm like on my commute to work, so I couldn't watch any of them so far. Uh, so just getting the photos on Twitter works for me because I'm able to just check that once I get to work. Um, but anyway, the, the Haas livery, I really liked it. I'm glad they went with a black base. I think the nicest looking Haases have been when they've gone more black, more silver, instead of this, this white and red. Um, although I heard a lot of people expecting that it was going to be white and red because that's MoneyGram's colors. And this car is heavily sponsored by MoneyGram, not very many other sponsors. Mick Schumacher brought in a few more, um, I believe Under Armour and was it one in one? I, I might be wrong. I, there might be some others too. I, I'm not really like fully up on the, the Haas sponsors that Mick Schumacher brought in, unfortunately, but yeah, no, the livery looks fantastic. I have to say, um, the front angle though, it, it's one of those where yeah, on the Alpha Tari, for example, I don't remember which way is which, but it looks like very Navy from one side. But then if you look at it straight on, it looks very white. It might be the other way around. But it's the same thing with the Haas. Like, you can't even see the black if you're looking at it front angle. But from the side angle, it's very black. And it's kind of cool. I think Renault did that with yellow and black back in the day as well. It's it's interesting. And I think they've gone in a better direction, getting away from that Russian flag livery. Oh, that was brutal. Um, and honestly, I, I'm talking about these liveries because that's really all that's going on in, in F1 right now. I'm honestly not a huge livery guy. Like, I just don't care that much as some people do. Um, maybe it's just because I don't have um, as big of a motorsport background as some other people. Uh, I'm wondering if that has anything to do with it or if I just don't really, you know, care for, for design-related stuff. I don't know, maybe I'm just weird in that way. But anyway, um, the car that they did reveal has, they had, they had uh, the Ferrari side pod still. So that'll be interesting to see if that, you know, remains on their 2023 car. Because like Red Bull, we're going to segue right into them. What they showed and their launch was definitely not their car. So whatever it looked like, it doesn't really matter. So let, let's get into this. I, I've written a few things down because I didn't watch the launch. So I don't have complaints coming from me about you know how I felt about the um the launch or the whatever like it was in New York which you know it sounded cool I probably would have watched it if I had the free time but I was, I was on my commute and I heard so much about it already I'm not gonna like go tune in especially when pretty much all you heard was, was negative stuff um so yeah from what I heard it was it was brutal um there was a huge waiting period um, that they basically forced on you because they told you the launch is going to be at this set time, wherever you are in the world. I'm, I'm not going to say a time because you could be anywhere. Um, it was going to be at this set time. Then they made you wait like 40 minutes or something ridiculous like that. And then you get there. It's a whole bunch of filler with uh, Red Bull athletes that no one cares about. Um, even like Horner and, and Max and Checo, I don't think they said a whole lot. 
Um, and they advertised, this is what a lot of people had a problem with, they advertised that it was going to be the RB19. However, everyone's saying that that's not the RB19, it was just the RB19's livery, which was pretty much the exact same as last year's livery. And, you know, everyone has said this too, and I am in agreement with what everyone is saying. Red Bull has a fantastic livery. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But when the main part of this launch for Red Bull fans or just F1 fans in general is showing off the new car, it's not the new car, and then the livery is the same, people are going to be disappointed. However, there was uh, another element to this launch that was supposed to make it exciting, and that was the announcement that Red Bull would partner with Ford. Um, the problem with that, um, at least the drumming up excitement part of the, I'll get into the Red Bull Ford stuff in a second, is that it was leaked beforehand, so everyone go going in knew that this was already going to be announced, so there was no like big reveal there. Maybe for some of you who aren't as up on social media and stuff, that are just a little more casual fans, I was tuning in to you know watch the launch of your favorite team. You might have figured it out for the first time uh, for the launch then, but for the majority of us, we knew beforehand. There was rumors all week pretty much about it as well. And once that was knocked off, I would say the only cool thing that happened, I mean, people, I guess, did like the doodle man, whatever, his RB14 or whatever it was, his special livery, which is kind of cool, I guess. Um, I saw the picture. I didn't see really the video of how it was announced or anything or even what time it was uh, launched during the launch. Um, but, yeah, the competition was uh, a fantastic little announcement, I think. That's really cool. For the three American races, Red Bull is going to use a fan-submitted uh, livery. It's going to be a competition, I guess. I don't know if they're using three different liveries, like a top three, or if they're using one livery for three races. I think they should do three different. I don't know why you wouldn't, just get more people involved. But, um, yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea, and I don't know why, I don't know why more teams don't do um, one-off liveries more often. I get, I get that if you do it all the time, then it's not special, but like you should at least be having one every year. Every year a team should do a special livery. I don't know why it gets people excited. It gets people wanting to watch that car on the track. I think at least I said, I'm not a livery guy. And when, you know, McLaren has their golf livery in Monaco the other year, I wanted to see them on the track and I wanted to, you know, cheer them on just because they look cool that race. It sounds silly, but I think it really does work. Anyway, let's move on to probably the more interesting part of this Red Bull launch, and that is the Red Bull Ford announcement. It's coming for 2026. Ford is not going to be building you know, the Red Bull car by any means. It's just related to the engines, and it sounds like you know technically Ford is going to be the Red Bull engine supplier. However, and I don't think there's concrete details or anyone could say exactly what the relationship is going to be or how much input Ford is really going to have because from what I've heard, it actually is probably closer to um, like an Alfa Romeo type deal than it is, I, don't, I can't even think of an example. Um, I guess this, it doesn't really work, but like a Honda type thing where Honda was literally supplying the engines to Red Bull. Ford is not going to be doing that. It is, is going to be Red Bull powertrains, and Ford's name is going to be on the engine. However, I don't know if it's going to be strictly their name on the engine and then let Red Bull do everything, or if Ford will actually have 
uh, you know, their input on the performance of the engine. So yeah, it, it, that'll be interesting. I'm sure more details will come out on that. It won't be for me. Um, I'll just be relaying to you guys if there's anything more that comes out on that front. Um, but I think the funny part of this Red Bull Ford announcement is that, you know, the, the RB1, the first ever Red Bull, had, you know, it used the Cosworth engine, which is which was Ford. Um, Ford had that in their Jaguar team that Red Bull purchased for the 2005 season. So in a weird way, it's kind of like a full circle where Red Bull bought Ford out of Formula One and now Ford returns with Red Bull. It's kind of funny that it works out that way. And it's also not even the first time that these two teams were involved with each other. Not directly. They were actually both a part of Sauber back in 1995. The literal team name was Red Bull Sauber Ford. Sauber had a Cosworth engine in it, and it was title sponsor Red Bull. So that is kind of funny as well, just kind of how that all worked out. Um, and for those who don't know, the Cosworth engine um, was huge back in the day. It has like, it's got to be a top five engine, you know, engine manufacturer winner in Formula One. I'm thinking Ferrari's probably got to be number one. Uh, Mercedes engines have definitely done very well. Uh, but past that, I guess, probably Renault engines. I actually don't know. I don't know my engine history that well, I guess. But Ford has to be up there. Ford Cosworth basically supplied like all of Formula One for um, a significant amount of time. So... There you go. There's a little bit of a tidbit about Cosworth if you if you uh, didn't know much about them. So Cosworth is not coming back by any means. Cosworth is technically not even Ford or actually actually I should have I should have researched this because I'm not sure if Cosworth is actually um, like a, a branch of Ford or if they are their own thing where Ford partnered with them. I think they're their own thing, but I actually don't know. Um, but anyway. That's all I really wanted to say on the the Red Bull Ford front. I think it's really cool. Um, I do think Red Bull Porsche would have sounded cooler than Red Bull Ford, but I just like an American team coming back in. If uh, or not American team, sorry, but an American brand coming back into Formula One, uh, even if it is in just a naming rights type of way, it's awesome. Uh, you know, Red Bull did their their thing in New York. I think they're really trying to appeal to the American fan which I'm a Mercedes fan. I'd rather, you know, the, the North Americans cheer for them, but it is what it is. I, I, you know, I can appreciate what Red Bull is doing and I think it's smart, but yeah, uh, I wish, you know, GM would also come into formula one. Cause I think the American brands would be, would be a great thing, but yeah, let, let's do standings now. We're going to go through the drivers first. I got it all planned out and then we're going to go through the constructors. I'm not sure how long this is actually going to take because I'm sure things will come up as, you know, I go through the names and why I'm putting them there. Um, but I also might just kind of rifle through them. Um, so yeah, let's start. I think drivers makes the most sense. So we are going to start with 20th and work our way up to who I think will be champion in 2023. 20th. I've been hyping him up. I'm so excited to see what he can do, but I'm going Logan Sargent. He's a rookie. I think he's going to be in the 10th fastest car. You know, I think that's already giving away where I'm going to have Williams and the constructors. It is what it is. I'm unfortunately going to put Logan last. Do I think he's going to score zero points? 
you know, I probably think he will score something. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is a one or two, three maybe point season for Logan. I would probably honestly be surprised if he scored more than five points. And if your cap is five points, I don't think you're, I'm going to put you much better than, you know, 20th or 19th. So unfortunately, Logan starts us off with 20th for the driver's standings. Um, and this one might already be su- surprising to some of you for 19th. I got Nick DeVries. I don't really know if I believe in AlphaTauri to make a huge step up the grid. I believe this is going to be the weakest lineup uh, uh, in Formula 1. And I think this is more of a testament to who I have in 18th, which is Alex Albon, because I think Alex Albon can outscore someone in a slightly better car. I don't think the Williams are going to be super, super far off. I think they're going to be last. I think it's going to be similar to last season where they're they're out the back of the grid, but they're kind of hanging on performance-wise. So I think we're probably looking in the range of still, like you know, under 10 points for both DeVries and Albon. And I'll say Albon scores something like six points, where DeVries is, is like a five or a four. It's going to be really close. I just think that Albon can maybe outscore someone. And... I, I, it's so strange because for years I was, I was, uh, you know, um, always on the side of let's get DeVries into Formula One. Let's see what he can do. And then he has a great race. And I feel like I'm like the most bearish on his performance. I just don't love AlphaTauri and I don't think he's a world beater. I think he's, he's going to be very solid. It's just that both of the AlphaTauri drivers, you know, this is going to be a rookie season for Nick and, it's, it's, yeah, he, not in a great car, rookie season, and I think expectations for him are a little bit too high. Anyway, so I've already talked about Albon and why I have him 18th. I think he could have a great season, and 18th is just the best that he can do. It's just where I have the car, uh, unfortunately. So, nothing against Alex. I think he's a very underrated and good driver. I just have him there. Now, this should come as no surprise, considering where I have DeVries, because I think it's going to be close with the teammates, so I got Sonoda 17th. I just think that if someone's going to get a big result, I think Sonoda is just the faster driver. He just has to not drive himself out of a, of a better position. I think Sonoda has a better chance to, you know, pick up a P7 and, you know, finish the season with, like, somewhere between, like, 6 to 12 points. I can 100% see more for both the Alphatars because their performance has a much better chance of being better than multiple cars than the Williams. And if Haas, you know, has a shocker of a season, then that's two less cars that Alphatari really has to worry about in the, in the driver's standings. So I can 100% see myself being wrong on these ones, but that's just where I'm going to go with it. Uh, in 16th, I'm, I'm going to go with Guan Yu Zhou, or Zhou Guan Yu, sorry. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough because it's another one where I I've said before, I'm a fan of him. Uh, I just don't think he's really a driver who's going to like lift your car to a spot better than where it should be. I think he can drive the car, especially in qualifying to where it should be, which is the mark of a good formula one driver. I just don't think he's, he's really going to necessarily pick up any huge results. I think he's going to probably, all his points finishes are going to be P8 to P10. It's not, Valtteri is is going to be able to pick up a big points haul, and that's what's going to lift him further up the standings, 
when you're when you're this far down, but not too much further up because that's who I have next. I have Valtteri Bottas. So really, what does that say um, about how I trust Alfa Romeo this year? Not a whole lot. So this that basically entrenches them into into P8. So if you're following along, you can already figure out where I'm going to have the bottom three cars for constructors. So maybe when I get to that part, it'll be a little quicker. But yeah, I think Bottas is definitely going to beat Joe. And I think there could be a gap in points here. Um, Like Bottas could maybe be in the 20s and Joe maybe under 10, but probably around 10. Uh, But I just think that both these next two guys or at least next three, are going to outscore Bottas. So next, I think it's quite obvious which team I'm going to go for, and it's someone on Haas. Who do I think? If you remember from last episode, I, I think Hulkenberg's going to beat Magnussen. So I got Magnussen here 14th. I think these guys are going to be very close. So I got Hulkenberg 13th. And I this was more about... Do I believe both of them can outscore Bottas? It, it's going to be close between these three. It's These are so interchangeable in my opinion. I just went for, at the beginning of the season, I think Haas can do something like they did last year, but both of these guys could be there where I believe Alfa Romeo is probably going to start on the back foot, stay on the back foot. I think Haas could get those big points hauls near the beginning um, where Alfa Romeo probably can't. Never say never. But that's what I'm going with. And I think Hulkenberg is just going to edge Magnuson. So that's why I have them neck and neck just ahead of Valtteri. So I hope you understand kind of why I am putting, you know, I think Bontas is probably the best driver of the three. But I just think Haas will perform better at a certain point in the season, which will allow them to to be ahead of Alfa Romeo and the constructors. So next, um... I'm sure you've noticed that I have a certain Canadian driver, the only one on the grid, still not. This is a pretty good season for Stroll. You know, if he's finishing 12th, which is where I have him, that is pretty good. But you don't know where I have Fernando. So we'll see about that. I think Stroll is probably also going to be in this range. I just think Aston's going to be a better car. And Stroll proved last season with even kind of a subpar machine, he can pick up points finishes. Sure, they were a lot of P10s, but I think the car is going to be better this year. I think he could, you know, pick up a few P9s, P10s, and just be a little bit more consistent than the other two guys. Um, so just just based off of where I have Aston Martin this year, I think of the next, I, I kind of see a performance gap here. So I have Stroll basically last of like the next tier of car performance, if, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so I think, yeah, between Haas and Aston Martin, I think there's going to be a big jump in car performance and Stroll is basically finishing last of like the rest. So that, that's my explanation. I don't think Stroll is some amazing driver. I know I've defended him in the past saying the hate is a little bit unwarranted. I still do believe that, but yeah, um, this, that's why I have him, I have him 12th. So 11, I have Oscar Piastri. Sorry, just checking one thing. There we go. We're, we're good. <laughs> um, 11th, I have Piastri. This is another one that might surprise you. You know, I have a highly touted driver for McLaren, who should be a great team, behind someone in what was a subpar car last year. But I have good reason for that. 
I think that McLaren, you know, can be inconsistent at times. I'm not sure if the McLaren is really going to take a big step this year. And Piastri, at the end of the day, is still a rookie. I don't know if we're going to see him out of the gates absolutely flying. And I think that this certain driver that I have ahead of him can definitely, you know, pick up points more often than this rookie. You know, he might have his battles. I just do. I think the one thing that McLaren will have for it is probably still the reliability. But at the same time, Aston Martin also has that Mercedes engine, and they didn't have a whole lot of breakdowns last year either. Um, I just have more confidence, I guess, in the wily vet of Fernando Alonso than I do in Oscar Piastri. I think 11th can still be a pretty solid season for him based off of, you know, who I have finishing ahead of him. I don't think there's any shame in, in that. Now I think if Stroll is able to outscore Piastri and the cars are kind of where I believe they are going to, to be in terms of performance, then that would be a little worse on Piastri and we'd be looking at, you know, kind of a Ricardo type season. So I have him doing better than what I think Daniel will be able to do, but do I have him matching Lando? Absolutely not. And you'll see where I have him as well. So 10th, I don't have Fernando either. I have Pierre Gasly. Uh, I think there might be an adjustment period for him. He's been in a Red Bull his entire career. I'm not so sure that he's going to get off to a fantastic start. And even though he might come back in the second part of the season, if he really vibes with this car, I could see Gasly outscoring Ocon. But I think just where how I evaluate Gasly, taking into consideration that this is going to be brand new waters for him, not to mention Alpine still has to address reliability. And for whatever reason, Ocon's car was perfectly fine last year. Let's see if uh, Gasly gets that same luck as Alonso. And I do not rate Gasly as highly as I do Alonso. So again, it's it's no shade having him finish behind an Aston Martin. I think that it'll probably be somewhat tight in this area of, uh, of the standings. I just think that Fernando, who I have next for P9, can finish ahead of Gasly with just consistently putting the car where it needs to be and on occasion just being really, really special. I don't care how old he is. I... I'm fully on the Fernando Alonso is just so, so good train. What a season last year, honestly. I think it was almost underrated to to an extent. When I did the halfway um, season kind of rankings of the drivers, I took into account expectations. It wasn't just a pure performance ranking. And I still had Alonso like fourth or fifth. I think he was absolutely fantastic. At times, right near the end, I think he was losing his cool a little bit. Hopefully, he vibes a little bit better with Aston Martin and they give him a car that he can work with. I believe that will be the case. I'm really hoping that it is the case because Fernando in a good car, Formula 1 is better. Now P8, it's got to be Ocon. Just the consistency, I think, is what's going to put him over Alonso and Gasly. I think this will be close again. And you'll also see in the constructors where I have these three teams. Um, but yeah, I, I think again, it's going to be close, but the consistency is what's going to lift Ocon into this eighth position and seven, exactly where he was all season last year. I have Lando. So none of these midfield teams are going to crack that top six. I really think it's going to be a big gap again, like we saw last year. So it was a no brainer to me that Lando was firmly entrenched in seventh, even if, I have, you know, a little bit of doubts in McLaren. 
I don't really have a whole lot to say on this one. Lando is just unbelievable, and I think the only driver in the midfield that can challenge him, we saw it last year, and that's Fernando Alonso. Even, you know, I would say next is probably like Bottas or Albon, and I don't believe they could do that. If if they were, if Bottas and Albon were matched up with Lando, I would take Lando every day of the week to finish ahead of him. The wild card there is probably Piastri, and it's hard because when he has a junior career like George Russell and like Leclerc, you would probably expect him to, you know, maybe challenge Lando. But I have my doubts. I I just think Lando is super special, and I'm so, so high on him. So I maybe, and also a little bit of defensive Ricardo. I think that Lando will probably smash him up a little bit first season. But that's not to say that Piastri won't be able to be a great Formula 1 driver along the line. That's just how highly I rate Lando at the end of the day. So how about we get into this top six now? Uh, this is this is where it gets interesting, right? It's basically you probably think whoever I'm I'm putting sixth here, I'm gonna have third in the constructors. It might not be the case, so you just hold on. Sixth last year was Lewis Hamilton, and I would definitely not have predicted that. I'm not gonna do it again. I'm going to have who I think probably should have finished sixth last season, and it's Carlos Sainz. I don't think Carlos Sainz will have the same season in terms of bad performances early on and then a bit of unluckiness. I think he will be better. But I just it's gonna be it's gotta be him or Perez, right? The other four drivers are just too good. Yes, you know, Lewis was too good to finish sixth last year and he still did it, but Mercedes was so far off and the fact that he even was close to cracking that top five. Um, of course, George did it. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think you guys know what I'm saying. It, it, Mercedes should have been fifth and sixth last year in the standings if Ferrari, you know, hadn't shot themselves in the foot. Right. So I, I don't see Mercedes being that far off again. I think the, the performance of the three cars will be closer. I'm hoping that is the case. So I got signed sixth and as to kind of what I was saying, I got Perez fifth as well. Those those guys are just a step below where I see the other four. I actually think Science is a better driver than Perez. I just think the reliability of of Perez and the Red Bull um, is probably just going to be a little bit quicker. Uh, so let's move on right away. Fourth, I got Charles Leclerc. I'm sorry, Ferrari. I'm I'm so sorry. This one took a lot of thought for me of who was going to finish fourth um so it's basically just kind of where i see ferrari at the end of the day and maybe i'll save that for for the constructors um and i will get right into this top three for number three i got george russell so i have hamilton finishing ahead of him but i think this will be close i got hamilton in second and i got verstappen three-time world champion and I have to say I think Hamilton will pick up some race wins I think George Russell will pick up some race wins I think Charles Leclerc might even snag a win and Perez might get his one win of the season and, and same with signs honestly but I don't see the same domination as I did in 2022 from Verstappen but I do see you know probably like a 50 point championship win at the end I think we might it might go might get clinched like second last race of the season or something like that. Um, 
I do see more dominance coming from Red Bull and Verstappen, to be honest. I think he is just otherworldly, and I don't think Red Bull will be far enough off for it to be even a Hamilton-Verstappen challenge. I think we will have fantastic races along the way, but on, on the normal races where the best cars are you know, shining to, to where they should be, Verstappen is going to be winning on most of those days, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe it's not a 15-win season, but a 10-win season out of 23 this year. So I got Max Verstappen going three in a row, as much as it pains me to say it. I'd love to see Hamilton get his eighth. I think it might look like he can challenge for it early on, but I don't think in the end it'll be in the cards. So Verstappen, three-time world champion. Crazy. At the age that he is, I think Lewis Hamilton's records are in jeopardy. I know uh, Max has hinted at an early retirement, but even if he keeps winning at this rate, he could get very close. And if he if he even gets close and then retires at you know thirty years old, people are going to be looking at him in the, as the goat because they're, you know, if Hamilton retired after last season, you know he retired he would have retired on top regardless of you know he didn't end up winning in Abu Dhabi he would have retired on top. He had a phenomenal season. Um, I think retiring after this season, we would have, you know, maybe been like, oh, Lewis had a decline. And if he doesn't perform this season, we're seeing like a different side of Hamilton where, you know, a Max Verstappen retiring in his prime at 30 years old, we're not going to ever see a decline. We're just going to see special, an entire career of just special. So, yeah, let's do constructors now. We're, we're almost over the finish line. Tenth, of course, I have Williams. Ninth, of course, I have AlphaTauri. Eighth, of course, I have Alfa Romeo. And seventh, of course, I have Haas. Those four I talked a lot about already. And my standings um, from the drivers gave away exactly where I was going to have those four teams. So I don't need to spend a whole lot of time on them. And I've also talked a lot of, uh, from last episode about the progression of these of these four teams. So I think it makes perfect sense as to where I have them. Now, sixth, this is where it gets interesting. I think Aston Martin could be closer to McLaren and Alpine than than most people think. I don't think they are quite there just yet, so I do have them sixth. But having Fernando in a sixth-place car finish ahead of, of an Alpine and a McLaren is, again, just how special I think he is. Fifth, I have McLaren. Fourth, I have Alpine, so they are the same. Although, again, I have Lando Norris finishing ahead I think this will be another year of a tight battle between these two teams. I think the Alpine reliability will improve slightly, and it will be a bit of a more convincing win over McLaren. But I think in terms of performance, this will be tight, and on its weekends, McLaren will look very good, and on its weekends, the Alpine will look really, really good. And that's what I think is going to be the difference. You know, Weekends like Suzuka, where Alpine was right up there with Mercedes, there wasn't very many of those for McLaren, besides, of course, the one podium in, in Imola. But, and I guess they were very good in Australia, too, for, to McLaren's credit. There were just more weekends of, of, of greatness from, I guess I say greatness, but good jobs in the midfield, I should say, I guess, um, from Alpine. So I, I kind of see that repeating. And I, I feel like my, my predictions have been somewhat lame so far. I'm not going for, you know, super boldness and... I think history has proved that, you know, things are always going to happen that you would never expect. So I could have thrown something crazy out there, but I just, I have to be able to justify it and I have to be able to explain it to you guys. And I don't want to just 
throw something random out there and then try to explain it out of my ass because this is just how I see it. And yeah, uh, from the drivers, you can also tell that I have Ferrari in third. Do I think it's going to be, you know, a huge gap between both Alpine and Mercedes? No, I think Ferrari is going to have plenty of podiums this year. And I think there will be weekends where, you know, I think Monaco, again, could be another strong weekend for, for Ferrari if they don't blow it. No, I'm talking performance-wise, of course. It wasn't really a strong weekend for Ferrari last year because they blew it. Uh, but performance-wise, I think they will have their weekends where the Ferrari is going to look very good. The horsepower thing is still, we'll see about that because Fred Vasseur played it down. Um, if that is the case, they're they're able to tune up their car and have the reliability. Ferrari could be dangerous, and I'm not going to lie. I actually have a, a future bet on Leclerc to win the 2023 World Championship, um, which doesn't align at all with my predictions. It's just that I think there's good odds on Leclerc, and I think it's very possible. Any of these three teams could be um, could be the best. I, I really do think that. It's just, which teams do I have the most faith in to bring it over the line? I think it's pretty clear that I, you know, don't have probably the least amount of faith in in, in Ferrari. Second, I have Red Bull. So I have Mercedes going back as Constructors Champions. And I think some of you guys might think that is certifiable. <laughs> and certifiably insane, if you've never heard that, that saying, sorry. Um, but... Uh, I just think that Perez is going to let them down. I think, and this is the year they're going to realize that. Uh, I think the Mercedes, as long as they are not, you know, stepping on each other's toes and getting in each other's way, Hamilton and Russell are just a way more superior driver lineup. I have Max, you know, Max best driver in Formula One. I'll say it a thousand times. But in terms of like two drivers, Mercedes is absolutely clear of Red Bull in that sense. And it sounds like I'm absolutely trashing Checo. I don't think he's bad. I think it is really nice to have a dynamic where you have a number one and a number two driver and it's clear. I just don't think that, I just think Hamilton and Russell are quite clear of Perez. Um, in terms of like every single weekend, they're going to be there. Perez just has these off weekends. We're going to see a lot of P6s from him this year, probably. Um, and then he'll probably get that one win and he'll count podiums on the, on the races where Red Bull is just mighty early on. I think Perez might look like a title challenger again, but it comes to the second half of the season where I said last step, uh, last episode that the Red Bull development might be not as strong. And I think Mercedes could come on very strong in the end. Um, and that's kind of why I was like. I, I see Max having a strong start and picking up some wins to start the season. Hamilton might look like a challenger at some point. I think I may have said beginning earlier, but I meant kind of more so in the middle. Um, but in the end, I think that Max will still be Max will still be winning races in the second half. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, Mercedes is the best team by far in the end. I think it is more of a driver thing than it is a car performance thing. I think it might be, you know, Mercedes being equal with Red Bull by the end and just close at the beginning. That's kind of where I'm seeing it. Um, and I know that sounds crazy to say, oh, they're going to be equal with Red Bull and not be as good as them for the for the entirety of the or sorry for the most of the year. But you have them as constructors champions. It's because 
I, you know, I see a lot of double Mercedes podiums this year coming or, you know, P2, P4 with Leclerc splitting them and, and Perez behind all of them because that's just how I see Perez and Sainz. And I think Sainz is better than Perez. So you never know. Things also could implode a little bit between uh, Max and, and Checo's relationship. I actually don't think it will. I think it will be fine because I think Checo knows his role and the fact that he's probably never going to be in a better car than he is right now with Red Bull. So I wouldn't, if I were him, I would not want to sour that relationship. But anyway, I'm not saying Mercedes is going to walk away at the constructors by any means. It could come down to the last race for for kind of what I'm saying. Um, I just think that Max will definitely be winning the drivers that I'm most confident in. I could see Red Bull repeating as constructors champions as well. But there's your boldness for you, I guess. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to do it. Hopefully, um, so I got some adapters so I can actually use my new laptop. Hopefully the picture's a little better and I can actually use this for my TikTok account. I really want to get clips on there. And if you follow me on TikTok and you see no clips on there again, just know that I'm probably going to have to buy a camera so I can actually get that stuff on there. I'm really hoping I don't have to. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you'll see my face on TikTok very soon. Um, but that is going to do it for the Paul DeResta episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back next week for, for some more car launches and maybe a little bit of chat about Drive to Survive. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was. Goodbye. <laughs>